0: Stack sets, feelin' brown. Like I got no cash. Can't afford the tip. Got me feeling kinda sad, but we glad. I sleep on your whole bag. selling my chairs to get a couple sets. I'll stuck it next week. Cause I hit my limit. And I'll wait to just to get some digits. Good for you, say back. I ain't talking films. You know what we I mean? Take that just. Yo Q, I like what you're doing There's a fork up on the tip and it's leaving me clueless Stacking sets up on the chain, taking up my whole day Hella blocks up in the notice that we had to validate So stack a block, join a block, a shit post now Can't afford a block, join a block, we loading my account Yeah I'm broke, it's a sad thing But a stack, on the stack chain GFYs, and all the memes Love vibes, and all the pains Stack sets. Feelin' brown, I got no cash. Can't afford the tip. Got me feeling kinda sad,
1: but we glad. Yo, low. That shit was lit. It got me fired up trying to stack the tip. Cosmic. Stack chain energy. Think hard. 21 by infinity. Stack chain. I can't get enough. Every single day, his number go up. Stack joints, Invading your thread. And stacking so hard that it hurts the fed. And
0: yeah, I'ma keep on stacking, cause what Anthony said. And pass it back to Q and let the signal spread. Stack Feeling brown, like
2: I got no cash. Can't afford the tip. Got me feeling kind of sad, but we glad.
1: What's up? Welcome to Stack King Spaces, where we celebrate stacking sacks. TA doesn't mean shit to us because stack height goes up and memes lead the way. Be sure to give StackChain Signal a follow. StackChain Signal is the repository for all things StackChain. They'll show you how to StackChain, help you find the tip or whatever stack joins are going on. This spaces is being recorded and is sent over into a podcast format. So if any of you are interested in subscribing or listening to StackChain Spaces in a podcast format, Format, you should be able to find those on your favorite podcatcher. What's going on, guys? So who do we got up here? We got George. We got Syduck coming up, coming up. I'm feeling I'm feeling fired up, man. We got some good stuff coming down the pipe from Stack Chain. Um uh Loco's Loco's new beats are killing it. You guys are gonna love that. We're just uh we're just building that out. That's coming along nicely. Um stack chain lightning rings. You know, if you're still interested in being part of a stack chain lightning ring, hit me up, hit up Derek, and we'll get you into a lightning ring. So what's going on, George? What's up, what's up? What's up, Psyduck? What's going on, man?
3: I'm just about to
4: make some more memes. I'm thinking I'm going to upload a whole bunch of these mempool memes to the Notion so that if any other oper- uh, mempool operators want to use them, they can just download them. And I'll probably make a whole bunch for, for
5: everybody
6: else to use, you know, with their own avatars and stuff, too.
4: Where are you uploading them to?
6: Um, the the Notion that uh, got, up, oh, yeah, I got job it. set up. There's a mempool section there. I'm thinking I'll, I'll put them, uh, if, if since they can hold videos, I'm thinking that'll be a good place to drop them off.
1: Yeah. And we show So the stack chain is hitting, not your keys, not your coins really hard right now. So I, my last uh, 24 hours of meat space has really taken up a lot of my time. So I haven't really been able to poke around the chain and see what's going on, but you know, let's get those, let's get those um, not your keys, you know, not your coins memes. you know, fired up. Let's put that stuff out there and, and, see if we can save some people's wealth what's going on loco
0: oh nothing much i'm just sitting at my computer doing work as always um work involving stack chain work involving my fiat job uh we have a lot coming up in stack chain i feel uh we're waiting on a couple people and i know you know what i'm talking about but it's gonna be a good one
1: Yeah, I'm I'm loving this so much. I can't wait until we have finished, you know, until we get it all finished and and we can release it. I think this is going to be a, I think it's going to be a big one. So, very, very excited. If any of you guys want to come up and talk about self custody, come on up. That's what today's topic is. So I think I covered, I think I covered most of the PSAs. Let me go ahead and take a look at the show notes and see if there's anything that I'm missing. Um, I did a count earlier today. And it looks like we've um, it looks like we've stacked nine stacks in the last twenty four hours, which is pretty which is pretty impressive. It looked like three, maybe four stack join blocks, but the rest of them are just solo stacks. So that's like one and a half Bitcoin, you know, in twenty four hours. And for a while, the chain was slowing down to like three or four stacks. So. You know, seeing seeing our average back at at like seven, eight, nine stacks a day is kind of interesting, considering how high the stack height is. What do you guys think that's about?
4: I'm loving seeing the numbers go up. That's the thing. That's the beautiful thing about Stack Chain is no matter what it, Bitcoin's doing in Stack Chain, the numbers, the amount of Sats are always perpetually
1: going up Yeah, You think that people are just trying to grab cheap corn? Like, yeah, yeah,
4: I think the, the, the pain of what the market's doing is I think this is the who knows, like no one's really like an expert at predicting, but you know, it's been a full week, um, over a full week since the blowout of FTX. Um, you've had Gemini, they, they kind of are wrestling to stay above float. Um, but some of the surprising like ones that, that have, um, that haven't like flushed out yet are like crypto.com. Um, I'm trying to think of any of the others that are just super kind of scammy vibe or casino vibe, um, but they're hanging in there. So that, that sort of saying that, um, you know, the market is saying like, Hey, maybe, maybe we're going to see steady waters for a little bit. I don't know. Um, Either way, the bottom line is stack chain. That's, that's what I love about stack chain is like TA doesn't really mean anything to us. We stack no matter what, if the price goes down, we stack harder. If the price goes up, we'll stack all the way to the top. So for us, it's the long time horizon. We're not short time horizon. We're not traders. We just stack sats because
1: we like Bitcoin. Yeah, people are stacking. I I just get a sense that a lot of people are thinking the corn is cheap right now. And that's probably why we're seeing eight, nine blocks a day because people have decided they don't want to wait anymore. So, but I mean, this is like natural free market activity, right? So, you know, a lot of people aren't used to seeing this, but in a free market that's, you know, not manipulated these washouts happen when you do dirty shit when you're making up numbers you know this is this is what happens so you're seeing the companies that were the most full of shit just getting flushed out you know because the truth always comes out because there's nothing to sustain them there's there's no there's no money printer coming to bail out ftx you know it's, it's not going to happen. So, in in a market where you don't have a safety net, your business dies, and and that's what's going on. So these these are the times where you find out who's doing it right, because the people who are doing it right, they stick around. The people who are playing games get washed out. So for For you and I, the most significant thing is to make sure we don't get harmed. Because you have no idea what any of these companies are doing. You know, there's a lot of people that put a lot of faith in scammers. And now their Bitcoin is gone. So how do you protect yourself? How do you protect yourself from this sort of thing? Self-custody. And that's what we're here to talk about today. So... Today's conversation is I'm just going to kind of let it go in the direction that it feels like people want to hear about, but we can start off with, uh, we can start off with stories. I mean, George, would you like to, would you like to tell like your self custody story? You know, cause we all yeah. kind of started, I, I can, I can give a framework for it. Every Bitcoiner starts off just buying Bitcoin and they have it on an exchange and then there's a learning process something happens and then they go from having the bitcoin on exchange to taking possession of their keys and taking custody of their own coins so that's kind of the story that that i think i'm interested in here
4: yeah so you know for i've been kind of like in the crypto space since 2017 uh, messing around with it. Um, you know, very lightweight, never a serious investor, never just kind of playing and poking around with it. So I, I definitely waded through the murky, murky waters of the altcoin, seeing the ICOs um, going up. But it was um, really kind of the yield propositions that attracted me. I'm like, wow, I can, I can like have hold this, so to speak, hold this Bitcoin or whatever crypto I was into at the time, which I'm not anymore, and gain some sort of yield on it. But, you know, you can't be kind of in the Bitcoin community for long without really seeing the long term values of Bitcoin. So through the slow process of really renewing your mind, um, kind of getting out of a fiat mindset, and sort of renewing your mind is like, wow, the principles of Bitcoin actually are contrary to the whole idea that you could earn yield out of it. And so when I started kind of educating myself, um, realizing that actually my Bitcoin was not was not being like saved, um, but it was actually like being allocated towards risk. Um, when I started to see the, the sort of very clear evidence that What I was putting my Bitcoin in, thinking it was my Bitcoin, was actually being sold off and being allocated towards risk. I'd take a really serious look at sort of my journey and what what my philosophy was. And um, thank goodness I um, got a um, cold storage wallet and moved all my coin. Um, at that point, I was Bitcoin only, moved all my coin out of a place that I had it. And then um, my last withdraw, so I withdrew in pieces. Uh, my last withdraw um, was six days before the Celsius um, stopped withdrawing, stopped close withdrawals so i literally got out by by the like very uh last possible closing window before this company essentially closed its door to withdrawing and has never opened again and and definitely most likely never will hopefully it never will um but i learned a valuable lesson that i was already sort of on my way to learning um so like understanding that that bitcoin shouldn't be used in a high-risk situation and then actually seeing it in real time in front of my eyes um, so i got to learn like the hardest lesson and thankfully i was saved um you know there's always that grieving moment where uh, man i i led one of my friends into celsius that didn't make it out and that sucks and i kind of like carry that with me so it makes me even more like um fierce about the ideas and the promotion of um, taking your Bitcoin out of the place of exchanges and the place of any third party whatsoever um, that you don't have, that you have to rely on that third party to access your Bitcoin. Um, I'm very aggressive to want to see people move out of the exchanges and other third parties into self-custody.
1: Yeah. So I got a couple takeaways from that. So it sounds like you came across what some people consider toxic maxis and they were able to present an effective message towards you to take possession of your own keys. Would you say that's, that's appropriate?
4: Yeah, I would say that's absolutely, absolutely appropriate, but here's, there's a difference. I think Um, here's what I think toxic maxis can offer that sometimes gets lost um, is I, I'm fine with like the lovingly bullying kind of like, you know, calling people out on their stupidity, but it was really those that spoke up in a way of education. Like, I don't care. You know, you guys are dumb and here's why. And like bullet point the exact things that that I'm not that isn't like a, an emotional reaction, but it's a logical like you can see, holy cow, the evidence is right there. So I think the idea of toxic mess, mess, uh, toxic maxi, is the idea that we present the truth, um, and not just you know we don't just present an insult, but we present the truth, and that's really uh, what changed me is is people that were uh, very vocally outspoken, uh, particularly against Celsius, and that at that time.
1: Yeah, and you have to understand that the moniker, you know, Bitcoin maximalist and toxic maximalist did not come from the Bitcoin community. Uh, maximalist came from Vitalik, and it was a term that was meant to slander people that were Bitcoin only. And Bitcoiners just took it. They're just like, okay, yeah, fuck it. I'm a maximalist. Because at the end of the day, when somebody is calling you a Bitcoin maximalist, they What they're saying is they're upset with you because you're not interested in buying their bag. And a perfect example, so when, when you are listening to people tell you while you were in Celsius, when you were listening to the Toxic Maxis talking about taking custody of your coins, the people that were calling them Toxic Maxis, they were the ones saying... No, that's ridiculous. Self-custody is too difficult. You're going to fuck it up. You're going to get wrecked. You want to keep your Bitcoin in a place that's secure. Do not listen to these toxic maxis. SBF did the exact same shit. You know, like, he went on there. He made this whole case about how holding your own keys is a bad idea. And, you know, meanwhile... All of the Bitcoin that he received from his customers is gone. The guy was making an argument to not hold your own keys because he wants your Bitcoin. And and everybody, without exception, that starts throwing around, you're a toxic maxi. You're a toxic maxi. It always comes down to they want you to buy their bags. We got Midas coming up. So let's see what uh let's see what Midas has to say. What's going on, Midas? Midas, can you hear me, man? What's going on? What's
7: happening? I uh you know, I just wanted to throw my my experience in. It's uh it's funny cuz I hear yeah, if I, I, you guys speak very well about this and you're, you're all definitely pure signal in this room. And, you know, um, I guess I'm kind of the old guy now because I, I don't talk a lot in these rooms. But, um, you know, I, kinda, I got involved in 2015. And so um, I just wanted to say that the experiences that we're having now with exchanges really goes all the way back to 2014, 2015. Um, and it's the same thing. And like right now I hear a lot of people talk about like Coinbase and they're like, Oh, well, you know, FTX went under, but like, you know, this Coinbase, Coinbase is pretty safe, but you got to realize like back in the day, Coinbase used to be Bitcoin only. And, uh, Brian Armstrong, their CEO was what you would now define as a maximalist. I mean, he was, he was pure Bitcoin back then. Um, Around the time that I got involved, you know, Ethereum uh, was just released. So I mean, so I mean, I, everyone's gone through an evolution. Like you know, back then, I was like, all right, you know, I'll buy some Ethereum. So when they when they released it, when they when they made it available on Coinbase, I want to say ETH was around like when I bought it. I don't know. It was like ten bucks or something like that. But um, I bought a little bit. But I was you know just just like a couple bucks worth. But what turned me off there were two things that turned me off the coinbase um one was you know primarily the fact that brian armstrong completely changed and suddenly he became a full shitcoin casino and to the point where and i don't know how many of you guys remember this he wouldn't even talk he wouldn't he wouldn't even say the word bitcoin in his uh in his prolific tweeting um you know pretty it just pretty ridiculous stuff if you knew him way back when and knew about his history but um the other thing about ethereum and the reason i sold my you know you can call it a bag it was more like a pouch um back then i think i probably bought it at 10 sold it at like 11 because back then was the dow remember that was a period of time where things were still like the ideas were mm-hmm. very new and so the idea mm-hmm. of the ethereum pitch about unstoppable code and this is decentralized autonomous organizations, et etc. et cetera.
1: World, world computer,
0: yeah. all this, all this. Whole yeah. Thing. So,
7: yeah. you know, hey, you know, at the time, we were like, all right,
0: let's, let's see how this goes. You know, also, you don't have to apologize for shit coining. Everyone here has shit coins, I think. And we're, cause we're all, we all know each other. So we all shit coin. You don't have to apologize. Oh, <laughs> totally, totally, totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah. So
7: I, yeah, that's why I say it because I'm not, I'm not, yeah, you know, it is what it is. But, um, you know, Ethereum, that was back when, back, there were two things basically that, you I'll, I'll, I'll stop talking. One was when the Dow happened, Ethereum stopped their chain and rolled it back, right? Which it became pretty fucking clear that these guys weren't the least bit interested in unstoppable code. And it kind of gave me pause, you know, back in 10 and $11 where I was like, these guys aren't for real. You know, if they could do that, if they're willing to do that, then that's no good. Fast forward a year, right, 2016-ish, you have the fork wars. Now Coinbase, again, not public yet, still a small company. I don't know how many of you remember when they fr- they basically Ninja launched Bitcoin Cash on their exchange. Now, what is a Ninja launch? Basically, rather than giving fair disclosure to the entire market, that they were gonna list Bitcoin Cash. And remember, Bitcoin Cash is trying to kill Bitcoin. This wasn't like just some random altcoin like th- these are these are nasty tricks so they drop this thing on an exchange on like eight o'clock at night on, on like a weeknight without any announcement but before it launches the market price of bitcoin cash goes up to like something stupid like like eight thousand dollars a coin like something crazy so there is 100 percent chance that those pricks at Coinbase front-ran that, including Samson Mao, who, by the way, joined the board at Coinbase so that he could pump Litecoin and, and dump at the top at $300 a Litecoin. So all that to say is these shenanigans aren't new. Exchanges have always been bucket shops. Deep down, they're all rotten at the core. And although this is FTX now, in a couple of years, it'll be somebody else because the temptation to print your own money Since the beginning of time, it's too much for anybody to read that. So I
1: got got two takeaways from that, and one of them is a question. So the first one is a statement. So when you're taking Bitcoin off of an exchange and you're taking custody, that works. The reason that it works, the reason that you can protect yourself is because it's Bitcoin. If you've got shitcoin on exchanges, it doesn't fucking matter. Taking a shitcoin into self-custody doesn't matter because you can get rugged from the exchange or you can get rugged from the protocol so self custody is meaningless in shitcoins it's it's the bitcoin that matters because bitcoin is the only protocol that has the security measures is like the the network the infrastructure the process the principles that if you take the bitcoin into self custody it is now yours and nobody can manipulate it or take it away from you so that being said this is a self custody space so tell me tell me about your self custody experience because there's this huge leap for bitcoiners like you're not really a bitcoiner until you've taken custody of your bitcoin you know, prior to that, you're kind of a tourist. You're you're in the very beginning learning phases. But until you make that, those first couple of Bitcoin transactions where you've moved it off of the exchange, it is now in your wallet. You know, now you're you're just taking the very first steps of becoming a Bitcoiner. And that's a big step for a lot of people. Cause there's there's a lot of intimidation, like you don't know how it's gonna work, you don't know if it's gonna go through. So that's that's kinda that's kind of the experience that I'm that I'm interested in hearing. What was it? What yeah. was the self custody experience like?
7: So, okay, that's a great question. So, back in the day, you know, there were a couple of wallets on iOS. I feel like at that point in 2015, they just they just started to permit, to permit uh, wallets in the app store. So, you know, when I first won the Bitcoin, you know, it, it was, you know, it wasn't with my life savings. You know, it was just kind of I was dabbling in it, probably like everyone else does. And, um, you know, I just downloaded, at the time, it was Bread Wallet. They're still around. They're complete garbage. Don't use them. But my point being is that I became very comfortable sending transactions and receiving transactions and wiping my, wiping my device and then restoring it using my words. And so I guess what, what I would say to people who are on the newer side is that don't downplay the importance of, uh, of phone wallets because that's really the playground. That's like the sandbox that people get comfortable in. I I feel like, and I've done this too, you know, you you try to get people to skip immediately to hardware wallets, which is good, but a reputable phone wallet is very, very safe. Um, And, you know, as long as you're not dealing with your life savings, if someone's new to, to Bitcoin, they should be using one just so they get used to receiving on it, sending on it, writing down their words, restoring it. That's what gives you the confidence you know, I've seen people, you know, relatively new to Bitcoin and they get, you know, they get like a ledger because that's the only thing they can get. And, um, you know, they, they, it's a little intimidating to them. It's a little scary. doesn't mean that they can't learn how to, how to self-custody on it. But I just feel that if you're using a reputable wallet, um, I would encourage people who are starting out just to fuck around on, on, a, on a mobile wallet because that's really where... You kinda of walk away with that confidence that like, okay, this stuff works and I know how it works and I can get myself out of trouble.
1: Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, you know what, Loco? I we've never heard your self-custody experience. You're you're a fairly newer Bitcoiner, so I'm just kinda of wondering wondering where you're at where you're at. This might be more fresh in your mind.
0: Sorry, I had to wipe my hands off. I'm doing dishes right now. But uh <laughs> so I I I know most of you know my beginning story, how I started with, I was a really good sports better and I made a lot of spreadsheets, I'm good with numbers, and I got tipped with Ethereum, and I just kept it in a blockchain, I think it's blockchain.com wallet, and one day, like, within the last, like, four or five months, I logged into it, and beknownst to me it was down and i had some bitcoin in there i had some stellar lumens in there and i had some uh or i had a lot of ETH in there just from tips from my gambling and blockchain was down and i went to their twitter and there was so many scam bots and all this stuff and i found out they were down and then Six or seven hours later, I come in and it's fixed. And I'm like, okay, I got to really figure out what the fuck this stuff actually is. And there was a lot more in there than I thought was in there and the normal spiel. And so I learned and this like a week later, I I bought all the supplies for a node and a cold card. And I was like, okay, I am gonna fully learn this shit. And I set up. Dude, you notes. went in hard. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> you skipped the whole hot
1: wallet; just went straight
0: for a node. Well, <laughs> I've played around with wallets, obviously. With Nah, I'm teasing. Apps I'm teasing all I'm that teasing stuff. But yeah, I I never had a hardware wallet. I like I knew about. Like the basic stuff of it, like crypto and all that stuff. You use your wallets and stuff, but I never went truly deep into it. And yeah, I was like, I I know that my node is a first step, and then from there, I'll know how the cold card works and all that stuff. And I still feel like I don't know a ton about my cold card, but I did play with some of the features and erase my seed and stuff like that, and recovered it and. In the basic stuff but yeah I I now but I do agree with what Midas was saying that as a beginner it is good to start with like the mobile wallet because I do love using uh, moon for like temporary storage and that is how I get people onboarded because it's literally two buttons. Receive and send and it brings up a Q card QR code and, and if decide if you want lightning or just the Bitcoin transaction. And it's just way easier for like a normal person to understand. It's it's it, PayPaling or Apple Fying is what they usually say, uh uh Bitcoin. So I think that's a good thing. And then after a little bit, get them on to the cold card. But yeah, that was my my process and I'm still learning. And as you know, I'm at all of us are still probably learning, but, um, so I just come to these spaces and learn from everybody every day and hope I can get smarter.
1: Did, did you have, did you have any anxiety? Like, well, cause from the story that you just explained, you you had your shit on blockchain.com and you suddenly couldn't access it. So that was probably like a moment of panic that made you feel like, okay, I need to figure out how to do something else. Cause I don't like the way that this feels was, but
0: so. Yeah, you- that's exactly what it yeah. is. And okay. like, and my brother has talked to me about, I mean like things getting rugged in the past. Like I I knew briefly about Mount Gox and that kind of stuff and like I would hear stories here and there, but I never really paid full attention to it. Now I understand everything after going
1: through and researching everything. So that that's interesting because so it's probably one of those things where you felt like, you know, this sort of thing can't happen to me. I'll probably be fine. That's only, you know, that only happens to like shitty exchanges and, and I'm not with the shitty exchange because I'm a fucking genius. I bought, you know, my Bitcoin's on Coinbase. I know what I'm doing. I'm a fucking expert, you know, which everybody on Mt. Gox, don't they, you know, thought they were an expert. Everybody given um, Scammer B their Bitcoin, you know, they thought they were fucking geniuses. Like, I'm going to get yield. Um, so that's. That's interesting. Was it an intimidating process moving your Bitcoin from an exchange to your own custody?
0: Um, I don't think it was. It was more so just figuring out the technical stuff. I'm not a super technical person. I've always liked hardware instead of software. And that's why when I set up my node and I looked at the lightning stuff and I was like, oh, uh, this is for a different day. And then, I mean, I found you guys and now we have our LN department. And if I ever have a question, I can just go in there and ask. I still don't grasp it fully, but I, I, whenever I get the chance to sit down, I, I mean, watch videos and try to learn more about it. And at Pacific Bitcoin, I learned, I know I talked to you guys about it, but I separated from the crowd because I wanted to go to a lightning uh, panel. And I learned a lot there, so um, yeah, it's just learning which, every day. Uh, which which lightning panel?
1: Which lightning panel was it?
0: Uh, it was the one right before the multi sig because there was a lightning one and then there was a multi sig one, and I stayed for both of them, so I don't quite remember which one it was.
1: Was that a uh, guy Swan?
0: I want to say it was, but I, I, I couldn't tell you for sure. Oh,
1: wow, I, I, I can probably
0: see. look at it.
1: I did not see you there, man, because <laughs> I went there specifically. Were they talking about like watchtowers and um, they? yeah, they talked a lot about watchtowers.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't yeah. think that was the one. OK, I, maybe not. It was probably separate
1: ones. That's amazing. Well, you know, what's interesting is I had a very different experience because when I first moved my Bitcoin off of the exchange. Well, OK, so my first Bitcoin I bought was on Cash App. And we're talking like very small amount. So I had had the experience of moving back and forth, you know, to to like I think it was Blue Wallet, but it was only like five or ten dollars. So there wasn't much anxiety of like making a mistake, which is a good way to go. If you've never moved your Bitcoin off of an exchange, don't move the whole thing. Move five bucks. Move ten dollars.
0: Oh. I will say I was terrified when I moved I I bought that first block uh 1222 I was terrified the first time moving it to my node obviously I didn't put all of it in at one time and all that stuff and but yeah that first move of that amount of money to me knowing you guys knowing my age that was very scary for me because that was a lot
1: of money at the time for me That's what I'm that's what I'm getting at. And I think that's one of the things that really, really holds people back is that first transfer of significant wealth. And what makes that a lot easier is when you have the previous experience, because if you've moved, you know, 20,000 sats around, you know, that's not that much. And if you've moved that like two or three or four times, like you take it off of your exchange, you put it on a blue wallet, you move it from blue wallet to moon wallet, you know, and you've moved things around and you have the, the experience of doing that. it's It's not as terrifying. But when you move that first large amount of wealth and you're just not accustomed to doing that, and you know it's uh, who knows it's the, let's say it's in the you know the thousands of dollars you know you're moving millions of sats and you don't get that immediate response you know cuz you got to wait for the block to be mined and it's, it's just kind of your transaction is is like in the ether because you haven't you haven't come to learn to be comfortable with how Bitcoin works and understand that everything's going to be all right. This is a secure network. And even though you're not go ahead, guys, go ahead. It's
0: just weird how it's that way with Bitcoin. But if you send like a thousand dollars to online, like an online bank account, it's really disappears because it comes out of your account and then it, all you get is like i mean it came out of your bank actual bank account and the online bank account says pending settlement and it you don't know if it's going to i mean it's it's literally the same thing and but you just it's we're just accustomed to it because we do it all the time
1: yeah precisely and if your bank transaction doesn't go through it's a fucking nightmare Like, it's a huge nightmare. You got to call the bank. You got to talk to a robot. Somebody will get back to you in, you know, 48 to 72 hours. And then when they finally get back to you, they're going to ask all the same questions that you've already answered. The shit just doesn't work out. Your money can get hung up with weeks. If a Bitcoin transaction fails, which has never happened to me, but if a Bitcoin transaction fails, all it means is your Bitcoin just stayed where it was. It didn't go anywhere.
4: I think that's for like a noob, like that's never done it before. I think that's the scary. I I think that was my scariest point is the whole concept of like, okay, I'm waiting in limbo. What if it doesn't work? Like not understanding fully the technology. Like, so I'm thinking what if it doesn't work? There's no customer service to call. Like there's no tech support that is able to you know, help me get this and so that's where that's where I learned the beauty of watching the transaction in the mempool, um, which has become one of my favorite parts about doing any Bitcoin transaction is just is just keeping a tab in the mempool and seeing how it works and um, watching blocks go and understanding like it I learned this year, earlier this year, just how fees work in Bitcoin and if I you know, add a few more fees, then it bumps up my priority in the mempool and how that all works. If it's a transaction, I'm not really needing to get anywhere anytime soon. I can do the cheapest fee and it gets there when it gets there. So understanding, like watching how it works and that you can actually see the transaction go through was, became one of my favorite parts of transacting with Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, I I enjoy watching the Mempool too. That is, is is there possibly like a dorkier nerdier thing you could possibly say than I enjoy watching the Mempool, but for some reason it's, it's fucking fun. Waldo, I see you. You've been up on stage. I'm going to get uh I'm going to hear what John has to say because he's got his hand up and then we'll talk to you about your self-custody story. What's up, John?
5: Yeah, I just want to say it kind of goes with like familiarity and, and practice, right? It's so like before StackChain, we started doing all our flash stacks and donation campaigns. Like I never transferred that much Bitcoin or had that many transactions before. You know, I'd, I'd buy it, put it in my hot wallet, of course, in a cold storage, you know, once I got to that point of it, but I didn't use the network. And, um, you know, once you're a part of the network, you send, you're you sending transactions, something like that you just become so much more familiar with it where it's, you don't second guess it anymore as, you know, when you first when you first made that initial, um, you know, transaction to your cold wallet. So it's all about using it.
0: And if you're afraid to use it, then it's going to be hard to learn. In essence, that chain is good for Bitcoin. Definitely.
1: Yeah, 100%. If there's anybody in the audience that has questions about self-custody or you want to tell your story, please put in a request. Come up on stage. We're all plebs here. It's not, it's not a special group. Waldo, what's going on, man? Tell us, tell us your, your self-custody story, man.
6: Yeah, what, what's up, guys? Um, I just wanted to touch on the, the fear part you were talking about. Um, I had a ton of it. I actually, uh, I'm probably the least OG person here. I just f- moved to cold storage probably only like three months ago, um, all out of f- fear. But probably maybe a year ago, I figured out um, through Bitcoiners constantly saying, not your keys, not your coins. And I was like, what the hell does this mean? finally looked into it and i uh you know between parman's resources and uh btc sessions i finally figured out okay i can do a blue wallet so i tested it you know i did all the things you're supposed to do follow all their instructions and stuff um and then i i was like okay cold storage is the way to go that's what everyone says so i got a i got a hardware wallet but it sat on my desk probably for like six months i was so scared to uh to do it i don't know why and finally i was like just fucking suck it up man i finally went worked up the courage to learn about it. And, uh, it's so easy. Like everyone says, and I, I like what Peter says, he, you know, he's a boomer. I'm a Gen Xer. I didn't grow up with any of this stuff. And, uh, you know, the, the, the thought of like losing Bitcoin is terrifying, but it's really not that complicated. Peter always says, if he can do it, anyone can do it. And I feel like that, that resonates with me too. Like I'm a serious noob and I'm not being honest, uh, modest, <laughs> but, um, you know, if I can figure it out, anyone can. And I think Midas, you're right. Like the the hot wallet gave me confidence. I was like, OK, it's been like, you know, whatever, eight or nine months of just buying on strike, moving into my hot wallet. Everything seems fine. I was even, you know, had a on blue wallet. I'm moving things to the lightning wallet, moving, creating multiple wallets, just messing around. And that gave me a ton of confidence. And I was like, I just said, screw it, I'm going to do it. And then after I did it, I was thinking one last thing. I was like, you know, whether it's to the hot wallet or to the, the hardware wallet, it's seriously not more complicated than, you know, logging into a bank account, like sending money to another bank where you have to enter the, the account number and the rounding number. I know there's Zelle now, but like back in the day, it's not more complicated than that. And yeah, if you, if you make an error, the bank's going to, you know, fix it for you. So I guess, so of course there's fear there, but as far as like functionally and logistically, it's really not that complicated. So I, I like, like, I know American Holland and a bunch of people have been on Twitter, like saying it's not that hard to self cussy And it really isn't. If like people like me and Peter who didn't grow up with this stuff and like, especially feel extra noobish in this department can figure it out than anyone can so just wanted to share
1: that what's up midas i just want to add
6: to that you know
7: something else that i think if you you got into the space like the last two three years that you know if you listen to a lot of good bitcoin podcasts and youtube you know they're they're sort of at the topic or at the point in their journeys where they're talking about multi-sig um you know like, like a very, like more advanced forms of self custody. Um, yeah, and look, I'm not a security expert, but I can tell you this a single SIG wallet, pretty goddamn safe. If you take, you know, common sense precautions with it. So another thing I think that may stop people from self custody is that if you just pull up like the latest rabbit hole recap and you listen to like Matt and Marty, you know, they're probably they're, they're talking about, most likely, some very advanced forms of, uh, of, of uh, Bitcoin storage, you know, usually. I haven't heard anybody say in a very long time that, you know what, single SIG is pretty damn safe. Um, again, if you, if you use common sense, if you don't like snapshot it onto your phone, if you don't, you know, uh, put it in a place where, you know, it can be seen. You know, if you're doing this in your kitchen, uh, your kitchen table at Night and you're running down a pen and paper, like it's pretty goddamn safe, you know. So, I think that's another thing that I'd like to just dispel is that, and that I feel like it keeps people from getting involved is that you don't have to have a super complicated setup. Now, if it's your life savings, one night you'll be sitting in bed with your eyes wide open, going, Oh man, I'm not feeling comfortable about this, and then you will find it within yourself to seek a more complicated uh, or more secure kind of a setup, quote-unquote. But um, until then, I mean, single-sig
1: is is just fine. So, yeah, I would 100% agree with that. Like, the security benefits from exchange to single-sig are massive. So, like, the difference between a single-sig wallet and a multi-sig wallet is is a lot. You get way more security in multi-sig, but you know, if you were to rate it on like a scale of like one to 10, having your Bitcoin on an exchange is like negative five security and moving it from an exchange to a single SIG is like going straight from like zero to like seven. Like the difference in how protected you are just in that one step is so much more significant. And then going from like, single SIG to multi SIG does increase your security significantly, but it's not as significant as getting it off the street, off the exchange, moving your Bitcoin off the exchange is like the single most significant security enhancement you can do for yourself going from, you know, not being self custody to self custody is an enormous security step. You don't have to overcomplicate it. Bitcoin Regatta, what's up, man?
8: What's up? So I like to think my Bitcoin self-custody path is fairly unique as a, as a Bitcoin maxi. So back in 2013, when I was a, an early Bitcoiner in a... Uh, Dogecoiner and I had all sorts of Dogecoin and in Bitcoin. I I self custodied both back then because, well, you couldn't uh, have Dogecoin on an exchange. There there were swaps, but you know you had to have run a Doge wallet. And I remember running Dogecoin for Android on my phone and having my Dogecoin wallet. And then I also said, so like, well, hey, I have like a couple hundred dollars of Bitcoin. I might as well run a Bitcoin wallet on my phone and. I don't remember what Bitcoin wallet I had back then, to be honest with you. But it was only a couple hundred dollars worth that I still kicked myself that I sold. But anyways, um, so I, I self custodied right off the bat and years ago, but I, I you know, this was just a, a random thing for me at the time. So I got out of it. And then when I got back in like six years later, um, I kept everything on Coinbase because, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's all I knew. And then I started reading about, self-custody because i remember doing that years ago and you see people talking about it and i'm a big tech geek so why why in the fuck am i not self custing my bitcoin this is literally what i do so it took a a coiner to uh convince me to do that so one of my best friends guy i've known for 20 years um uh, big coiner to this day still he said to me he's like hey i'm thinking of uh using a hardware wallet can you tell me about those so I told him all about it. He's like, well, do you use one? And I said, no. He's like, well, why? I said, I, I don't know, man, I just don't. <laughs> uh, I want to one of these days, but I don't know which one to buy. And he's like, well, if you had to buy one, which one would you buy? So I told him about Treasure, Trezor, and I told him about Cold Card, and I told him about Ledger. And I said, these are the three that I've researched. Uh, so remember, this was two years ago, back, th- back in fall 2020, and I said, uh, one of those three is what i would use from what i can tell cold card is complicated as fuck and i don't think that i want to do that right away so i would use one of these two trezor or ledger i said uh but the reason i don't want to order order a, a ledger is because they just had a marketing database hack um but the device itself is fine but anyways so my friend he's a good friend he saw they were having some black Friday deal or some shit like that. And he ordered two of them, two for price one or two for a significant disc- discount or something like that. And he showed up in my house and he's like, all right, let's get our Bitcoin off Coinbase and our shit coins and all this other stuff. And <clears throat> I said, well, you know what? I wasn't gonna order a ledger because I didn't want their marketing team to have my uh, <laughs> home address and phone number because they, they leaked it one time um fuck it they have yours so they don't have mine (laughs) so him and i sat at my kitchen table and uh set them up and then like everybody else said you know you're a little nervous at first right so you do your ten dollar transaction you do your ten dollar transaction and you wait you wait you wait you see it show up and i wiped it i factory reset Restored by my seed phrase, made sure it still said $10 worth of Bitcoin when it was uh, there. And I was like, all right, well, wow, this is fucking easy. This is really easy. Why am I scared to do this? Very next transaction with Drew all. Um, it Took me uh, a couple months and then I sold all the shitters and uh, converted to Bitcoin and been Bitcoin Maxi ever since. But an interesting tidbit of information about that story is that my friend that got me to initially do the self custody two years ago he did his ten dollar transaction with me we we both did them he uh was nervous to move the rest of his coins at that time and he's like oh, i'll do it when i get home i you know you showed me it worked i'll do it myself later well we're you know fast forward two years later he still hasn't withdrawn everything Now he sold most of his stack actually at the top, and paid off his house and a whole bunch of other stuff. So kudos to him. But he still has a significant portion on Coinbase, and it's it's you know mostly shit coins. But uh, he hasn't withdrawn anything, even though he originally wanted to do all this two years ago.
1: Well, I mean, you know, good for you. (laughs) You went through the process. You did the work, and. Now, none of this shit's affecting you. Hopefully, he's all right. Yeah. One day, he stops shit honey. Peter, what's up, man?
8: I work on him all the time,
3: Anthony. I do.
1: It's hard. You know, some people take longer. <laughs> what's going on, Peter?
3: We add complexity to this shit all the time, and we just got to stop doing it. Whenever we say things like multi-sig, whenever we say things like "like um, uh, it's more secure, People gravitate just like people's psychology. They want to, they there's, we are psychology, we are psychologically wired to buy high and sell low. We are psychologically uh, wired to gravitate towards complexity because complexity is better. And so, whenever we have this conversation about, I've been thinking about this a lot. Whenever we have this conversation about self custody, well, it always, it invariably devolves into some level of complexity that has nothing to do with somebody moving their Bitcoin off the exchange. First step, that's all it is. Just move the Bitcoin off the exchange, and I think a great way to talk to somebody who has, who had my fears, my um, my psychological blocks when it came to moving Bitcoin off of the exchange, that had to do with the fact that I was infected with the. Fiat virus uh, for a very long time is, well, if you you get paid, right, you get paid from an employer, would you like your employer to hang on to your money for you until you need it? Or would you move it to a bank? I think anybody in their right mind is going to say, I'll move it to a bank. And then you say, "Okay, can you surf the Internet? And they'll say, yes. Have you ever downloaded an app? Yes. Can you compare characters, a list of characters from, you know, compare two lists of characters to ensure that they are the same? Yes. Okay. Well, you can self-custody. It's that simple.
1: Yeah. If if you can, if you can send an email, you can self-custody. If you're capable of sending an email, all the skills required to send an email are the exact same skills required to self custody your bitcoin.
3: Exactly Anthony, and we just need to stop the conversation right there, especially if you're talking to somebody who has bitcoin on an exchange and has some kind of fear about moving their bitcoin to self custody. You just you can't go into you, as soon as you say anything about this is what this was what happened to me. As soon as anybody said anything about privacy, security, um, don't you know your seed phrase, this, that, the other, it was like, whoa, I'm backing up because all I hear is the complexity.
1: Absolutely. Is there if there's anybody in the audience that has any questions or wants to tell their story about you know going to self custody, please come up. We're, we're here, we're trying to, you know, collect this information and put it out there so that other people can know that this is okay. Because, you know, every single Bitcoiner went through this experience. Every single Bitcoiner had their Bitcoin on exchanges and there was a transition period where, you know, they made the decision to take it off the exchange. And it's one of the best decisions that you will ever make in your life is to take custody of your time and labor bitcoin represents your time and labor it represents your life it represents what you have earned it represents your future and holding it on an exchange is essentially just allowing someone to control the fruits of your labor take possession of your own bitcoin what's up george
4: yeah, I think uh, Peter's point was really, really good in saying don't overcomplicate it. Just keep it real simple, straight to the point. Um, one of the things that infuriates me more than anything is like if you if you do go to your app store and you like search Bitcoin wallet, how much unbelievably unbelievable amount of garbage comes up? So I think it's it's super important when we have these conversations. To actually, you know, we don't like to tell people what to do as far as like what actual wallet or what. But in this case, because there's so much sludge out there, we actually really do have to say download this particular, uh, you know, wallet. Don't download one that comes from Bitcoin.com. I know it looks cool. It's from Bitcoin.com. It must be, you know, must be legit. But the truth is not, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that's just absolute garbage that will lead you down places you don't want to go. So it's like really important to actually say like, hey, if you're OK with Mun Wallet, like prescribe Mun Wallet to people. I like to use Blue Wallet. That's sort of my go to one, um, you know, but even with that, there is there is a there's a lot of features on there that are that are tech features. But um, try to keep it really simple. Um, this is exactly what you want to do,
3: step by step. So I think your hey, point is really good. George, that was that was all great until you got to the. There's features on there that are that are uh, that are uh, advanced and complicated because it Blue Wallet is as easy as they get, right? Well, th-
4: when you download the app, it gives you th- this option of like a vault, a multi sig, right from the get go. So you just need to you just need to make sure you walk them through step by step. Download the app, hit I want a Bitcoin wallet. You know, don't hit vault, you know, you know, to to start with, you don't start with a lightning wallet unless you're taking off an exchange that has lightning features. So just hit Bitcoin wallet, write down your seed phrase. Boom, you're good to go.
1: What's up, B? How's it going, man? Welcome to the stage. You got a you got a self-custody story or a question for us?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, um, my self-custody, for the most part, came by trying to work IRAs right so run across a number of companies out there uh, ultimately decided to go with Unchained I'd already bought code cards and this is while I was living in Japan now I'm in Europe uh, so addresses I didn't care um, I just had never sat down the time just like uh, I think somebody else was talking about their buddy that had waited years right or months um, but once I got here uh, connected with Unchained they hooked me up walked me through a demonstration and um, Really, from them, the first couple of months is like kind of concierge hand-holding stuff. uh, So you have somebody that walks you through these pieces. Uh, But regardless of that, uh, I kind of wanted to talk, at least bring up the ability. Like my kids, right? They each have their own little cell phones down. And I've downloaded Blue Wallet on their cell phones. So they get paid their allowance in Bitcoin. Uh, We scan QR codes. We're making it habits for them at their ages. And I mean, they're... We've got two that are teens. We've got one that's just coming up on teenager. We've got uh, some younger ones, and they're going to grow up just using this and being accustomed to it. I signed them up for regular bank accounts, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago, signed them up for regular IRAs and 529s and all that stuff. We've since transitioned most of that stuff to Bitcoin only. Um, and they're learning about that. Like they're excited whenever they're there stacking their own SATs kind of stuff. Um, so starting early, I'd offer to any parents out there, like buy the little games that they have from like Shamory and these other companies, get your kids used to like Bitcoin as a a currency as something they use in their life. Uh, and they will be better for it later on down the line. So that's self custody as far as like my kids. And again, we use blue wallet. They have lightning wallets right now. Uh, any bigger stuff is on unchained through multi-sig setups that I've got for them. Whenever they get old enough, we'll hand off some code guards and that kind of stuff, and uh, they'll be able to go about their way. That's all I got. You, you know what I like about that is you're basically kind of building a little circular
1: economy right in your family,
2: which is, is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, exactly. They're, they're going to be so accustomed to it. Like, whenever they go to any business, um, they they typically don't even carry cash on them. So they're kind of like, uh, Dad, hey, can, can you give me some cash? And I'll... <laughs> I'll transfer Houston Bitcoin or whatever it may be for this thing I'm trying to get. So they're getting so used to it. Uh, it, it works out perfect for us. That's amazing. What's up, Waldo?
6: Uh, first of all, B, that's awesome, man. Um, secondly, I'm wondering what you guys think about this. I was talking about this on another spaces. Um, so I have a friend who just refuses to self-custody and I've been trying for like, you know, obviously I'm clearly bad at it, but I've been trying for like a year. So in fact, I even owed him a little bit of money and I told him I was I refused to pay him back unless he downloaded Blue Wallet and I was going to send him Bitcoin. So he finally did it because he wanted the money back. So he has Blue Wallet. But his argument is, you know, it, and he knows about FTX and Celsius and all this stuff. He just doesn't care because he has this this mentality that, A, he's in the U.S., and B... He's on Robinhood, so his argument is, "Oh, well, Robinhood isn't like Coinbase and Celsius and those um, other ones because God. they have stocks." And I was like, "Dude, they don't." First of all, you uh, you know, I explained the whole paper Bitcoin, the IOUs. Like, I keep telling him he, the only Bitcoin he owns is what I sent him in Blue Wallet. But again, he has this kind of it's a regulated company in the United States. They have stocks. Like, there's so many people have their life savings in Robinhood, so like nothing could ever happen. So that's like the the hard part because I can point to these other exchanges you know, in you know, international exchanges, offshore exchanges. But he's like, he just has that kind of, oh, that'll never happen here kind of problem. So is I was just wondering your guys' thoughts.
4: Guy? Is he Bitcoin only?
6: Yeah, he is now, finally. Yes, we got that far. And he and like I said, he has Blue Wallet. He, and, and also Robinhood came out with the Hot Wallet. So all he has to do is, I'm not even trying to get him to do cold storage, just put it in the Hot Wallet in Robinhood or keep it there or send it to your Blue Wallet. But I, I, like, no matter what I do, he just, he doesn't think it's a risk.
4: Yeah, the, the biggest thing that um, the the philosophy of Bitcoin is one of the things that really helped me um, push against any even possible temptation of wanting any company to to hold my my Bitcoin, you know, as I kind of dug deep is is it's philosophically like contrary to the whole principles of Bitcoin that you would have, you know, it's, it's a peer to peer uh, cash, you know, the ability to to, to share cash peer to peer, you actually take that away when you have your Bitcoin on some kind of other third party. It's it's completely contrary. So, you know, if if he thinks that Robin Hood is going to outlast Bitcoin, you know, he's obviously fooled. You look at any Fortune 500 company in the last 50 years and there is there is har- hardly any if any that have stayed fortune 500 for over 50 years. So the concept that that uh Robinhood is going to last longer than his Bitcoin um is extremely foolish. Companies fade, you know, they rise and they fall, but
1: Bitcoin doesn't. Yeah, well, Robinhood is fucking trash and it's only a matter of time before it goes under. But your, your friend is moving in the right direction. So you may not, he may not be at self-custody yet. And clearly what's happening is he, he either, he doesn't understand something. So he's not feeling secure with self-custody. This is normal. This is why we're having this conversation. We were all there. And and some of us become comfortable with self-custody much faster than other people. So if you can't have the self-custody conversation with him, you can do like George suggested. Because the more you learn about Bitcoin, the sooner you get to the place where you're like, oh, shit, self-custody. So, you know, maybe you can't win that battle with him. But you've already gotten him to the point where he's Bitcoin only, right? So, you know, just continue to have Bitcoin conversations with him. Continue to give him Bitcoin resources. And if you can't be the person that explains it to him, number one, he might figure it out himself. Or number two, he might hear it from someone else. And, And that'll be like the second person. I always say, I say this all the time, there's nothing in these spaces that hasn't already been said better by somebody else. Like I cannot explain Bitcoin the way that Guy Swan can explain Bitcoin. I can't explain economics the way that Safadine explains economics. I cannot walk you through the, the technical aspects of how to do something the way that Parman can. I don't know these things. And, and, and I'm not as eloquent as they are, but I might be the person who says it in the way and in the time that, that you need to hear it. So the more that we're saying these things, the better. And they hear it they hear it from Waldo and then, you know, they they hear it from somebody else and then they listen to a Guy Swan podcast and he fucking nails it because this is all of our experiences it's all about the touches it's all about the community take a look at stack chain look how impactful community is in your bitcoin journey like bitcoiners in StackChain have rapidly moved forward in their bitcoin journey there's there's stack chainers who have only held Bit, who've held bitcoin for less than a year So they've only been Bitcoiners, not even a whole year, not even a full cycle. And they're already running their own nodes and opening up lightning channels. You know, this is shit that took me, it took me years to get to this point. And the reason they're doing that is because of the community. And Loco, Loco kind of mentioned this, is that, you know, when he began to do these things, it wasn't all that intimidating to, 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 to him. When I did it, when I did my first big move of Bitcoin from an exchange to self-custody, I was shitting my pants. Like, I was really like, God, I hope this works. I know I've already done $5 transactions. I know I've done $10 transactions. So I know how it works. But now this is a lot of wealth. This is a lot of money. I hope this fucking works. I was terrified. But, you know, Loco's experience was a little bit different because he had community. So, you know, be community, be available. We're Bitcoiners, we're here to help people. What's up, B?
2: Yeah. So I'll just say one other thing. Like, if you, if somebody's running across podcasts right now, like I, I listened to a couple of different ones, if you just tell them to go back to the earlier episodes, like, and they may be have podcasted for the last three or four years, like those earlier episodes kind of present you the history of Bitcoin development, the products that are available and that kind of stuff. But they also walk you through the, the easier parts of um, setting up your own wallet and those kind of things. So they may find a podcaster they're liking. And if they're talking about deep topics or multi sig or complex stuff, just have them go back rewind the podcast go back i don't know 50 episodes or something like that and they may find the the information they're looking for
1: absolutely palm what's going on man welcome to the stage
9: hey fellas how's everybody doing you know it's We're um, doing great man it's i've been in bitcoin for about four years and just last year i decided to take full custody of my bitcoin and it was an amazing experience That was Scared, overwhelmed of losing my seed phrases. And the funny thing is that just yesterday, I put my seed phrases on my metal card. So it's been a journey. And I used to take loans against my Bitcoin on buy. And bro, did I miss that bullet? I was so freaking glad I took everything off block and took custody of it because I could have lost a lot, big time. So more than now, not your keys, not your cheese, right? So, everyone should take custody of the Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, first of all, that's that's amazing. I mean, thank God you got your corn off of BlockFi, and but and but also thank you for explaining that. So basically, you're a Bitcoiner, and you've been a Bitcoiner for one full fucking cycle, four years. That's a full cycle, but it was only in the third year. That you went self-custody that is not unusual it, you know that it's a big leap to from exchange to self-custody that's why that's why there's so much bitcoin on exchanges there's almost two million bitcoin on exchanges that's insane the only reason to have bitcoin on an exchange is if you intend to buy or sell it otherwise that shit should not be on an exchange what's up george with the, um,
4: metal cards, uh, maybe, maybe I'm not very genius on this, but I thought it was pretty clever. You know, I looked on like Amazon or whatever, and they want to charge you 40, 50 bucks for a little plate and some stamps. I went down to the hardware store and bought just a metal electrical plate cover, uh, 30 cents, went to Harbor Freight, bought a $9 electric engraver and You know, I can engrave a bunch of, uh, you know, semi indestructible seed phrase, little things, you know, and they're pretty easy to, to hold on to, you know, you can screw them together. You can do, you can do a lot of really kind of cool stuff with it, but, um, yeah, expense shouldn't really stop you from, uh, engraving your seed phrase into metal if you want to go that route. So it's kind of fun, little project.
8: Well, a saw a similar solution to that. George is using the Block Mint jig. If you have a 3D printer, you can 3D print that yourself. If not, you can buy it for, I don't know, $10, $15 uh, uh, from Crypto Cloaks. But you print this out or you buy it, and then you go to your local hardware store like you did. You, get, you buy a bolt and you buy 24 washers, <laughs> and you put them in this uh, little square this little jig that you print and then you, then you need to spend 10 15 bucks on uh engraving pins or the little, little raw I forget the actual name the rods that would hit them with a hammer it'll engrave uh a letters letters or numbers yeah, stamp. in to, yeah, yeah stamped yeah stamp that's the word i'm looking for that's why you get paid the big bucks man but uh you, you use that the use that stamper and you put them in the jig you hit it with a hammer like It's stupid easy and and it's really, really cheap too. And you can make so many of those and it, it's it's just, just 24 washers on a bolt and then you put a wing nut on it. Right. So they can't come off. Um, you can store those in a couple different places, you know, store them, store them, you know, put one in your, with your tools, put one bury it in the backyard. I don't fucking know. Take one to your parents' house, bury it in their backyard. Like it's so cheap. Once you have those tool, the engraving tool, like, you can make as many of those as you want.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Should we talk about seed phrases? Because it's a pretty critical part of uh, self custody.
8: Oh yeah, yeah. like because your hardware wallet really doesn't mean anything. The only the only way you the reason or the only thing you need the hardware wallet for is if you're actually going to be sending Bitcoin. Like to receive it, you know, you can generate addresses on whatever app you're using. You know, like you can go and smash that, throw that, flush that thing down the toilet. It doesn't matter. The only time you're ever going to need it is when you need to send and sign a transaction. And to do that, you you need your recovery, your seed phrase. So those mnemonic words are almost more important in my eyes than the physical device.
3: So in the sake of uh, keeping it simple, when when I uh, created my first uh, wallet, I wrote my seed phrase down on a piece of paper and I put it in my desk.
1: Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So what? uh, Okay. So let's back up a little bit just for, you know, this, this, this basis is also being recorded as a podcast. So there may be podcast listeners who are not aware of what a seed phrase is and how it functions in Bitcoin. So let's, let's do that. Who, Who wants to start that off? Okay. (laughs) go go for it go ahead
8: all right so you're well people don't like to call them seed phrases they're mnemonic words there's what is there uh 2048 of them or um bip 39 bitcoin improvement proposal 39 added
4: hey derek sorry to interrupt i'm just thinking like especially with what peter is saying and i really agree with it like Pretend that I'm 12 year I'm 12 years old and you're explaining right. it to a 12 year old.
8: Gotcha. Kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Okay. All right. So we won't say mnemonics, because what the fuck's mnemonic? So there's there's words that can be used to represent your Bitcoin wallet, your private key. Those words can be used to restore and recover your wallet. Depending on your wallet, you'll have 12 of them or 24 of them. Some wallets will even allow you to add a 25th word or a passphrase. And those words Peter,
7: can be used to yeah. fully recover
8: your wallet. Jesus Christ, Peter, you explain it if you don't like how I'm no, saying it. No, no,
3: no. I love your explanation. I love it. I just know where it's going. And all the next thing, all you need to say is write them down. That's it. That's, all, no. that's, that's the only explanation somebody who's never heard about a seed phrase needs to hear.
8: So ri- writing them down is a good first step, but that's, that shouldn't be a final solution because paper burns, right? Maybe if you're putting them in a safe, I guess. But I, I think that putting, you know, your life savings on something that can disappear in a fire. Um, I, I agree
3: with uh, you 100%, Derek. But the problem is, is that it took you three years. No, it took you, took you eight and 10 years. It took you almost 10 years to self-custody, right? So, and you learn so much along the wow. way just the first step is what's important and then they will go down the journey themselves and they will go you know what this is my life savings i guess a piece yeah. of paper isn't going to work
4: he was just he was just explaining what a seed phrase was not necessarily like best practices so
8: yeah, everybody has their own best practices to care for their seed phrase where they're going to store it just like everybody has their best practices where they're going to store their wallet what's good for you may not be good for me. If if Peter, if you're okay to store your seed phrase in your desk drawer in the office in your house, that's fine. Some people like to dig a hole in their backyard and as like a time capsule and store it there. Like there's everybody has their own preference of what they want to do that makes them feel safe. However, you want to safeguard those words, that's on you. But the most important thing is, is those, those words, Bear in mind, if somebody ever gets a hold of those words and finds them, that you know, your house gets robbed, you have a wrench attack, whatever the case may be, with those 12 or 24 words, someone can fully restore your wallet and drain all the funds. So that's where the passphrase, the 25th word, comes into play, because somebody can steal those 24 words, and those 24 words don't mean dick if they don't have the like the master key, the master passphrase.
1: So, let me let me emphasize that the whole topic of the seed phrase, the only the only reason we're bringing it up is because it's important. Why is it important? Because all these tools that we use, whether they're simple or whether they're complicated, whether it's a blue wallet or a moon wallet on your phone, or whether it's a cold card in a complex multi-sig, at the end of the day, what they're doing is they're allowing you to access your seed phrase. They control your seed phrase, which allows you to transact in your Bitcoin. So you can lose all your hardware wallets. Your phone can get destroyed. You can lose everything. That you own, if you remember your seed phrase, you still have your Bitcoin. So, because that is such a significant thing, that's why, you know, that's number one, why we're bringing it up. And number two, that's why there's a lot of solutions. People have come up with a lot of creative ways to store their seed. So, in the process of moving to self custody, you're gonna come across the seed phrase. So, like Peter says, write it down that's a good first step and then as more and more of your wealth is in self-custody you will become aware that maybe having your seed phrase in a desk drawer isn't the best thing to do maybe i want to store my seed on something that can't catch on fire and bitcoiners have solutions for this what's up peter
3: I wanted to, I wanted to apologize to, to, to Derek for, for interrupting him. I'm just, it's just as soon as we go complex, it's just, and, and the complexity can just be so minor. You just, I got lost every time somebody, it just, it triggered my fears. Every time somebody said you could lose, every time somebody said complexity, every time somebody said some word I didn't really, wasn't familiar with. I would just freeze. And I think, you know, it's as simple as, does everybody remember Mary Mary had a little lamb? You can probably recite that entire thing. These words represent a public private key pair. It's basically kind of code that somebody thought was neat to put into words instead of, you know, unreadable code. And you got to make sure that that thing is safe. But to begin with, you just write it down and you can and i thought your 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 explanation of how it can it's the it it enables you to rebuild your keys that are the keys to your bitcoin anywhere anytime but it also allows somebody else to do that too so you do have to keep it safe those are important things but getting it off the exchange super simple once you do this you just download an app like blue wallet write down the words and then you can move your Bitcoin off the exchange into that wallet, and actually, you're really only moving the keys. But that's a different discussion. Well, no, you're yeah. right. Peter. I like it, Peter.
1: Yeah, and you bring up the you bring up the exact point because the reason that there's two million Bitcoin on exchanges is because people are afraid to not have it on an exchange. So you're not wrong. You're you know. That, that 200 Bitcoin is there because the idea of moving it off the exchange is, is too complex and too scary, but it's not. It's really not. If you can send an email, you have the full and complete skill set to take custody of your own keys. Uh, Tao. What's going on, Tal? Wonderful to see you on stage. Hey,
10: good morning or good good afternoon, wherever you guys are at. I'm just driving to get some lunch. This is a pretty... I doing self-custody. I was actually just talking to somebody about... You know, talking just about that, too. (laughs) Um, uh, A a private chat. Um, This is awesome. I'm just listening in. Um, You know, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll try to give an opinion or something when the time is right, but I'm just listening
1: in right now, so this is cool. Yeah, well, one of the things that, that we I really wanted to impress upon in this space is is to hear people's self-custody stories because there's 2 million Bitcoin on exchanges, just like I said, like 30 seconds ago. The reason that Bitcoin is on exchanges is because people don't feel secure in taking self-custody. So, you know, what would would you mind telling your self-custody story tell like how did you overcome that
10: okay um i'll I'll just give a brief history of what i went you know my first time self custodying because i have a technical background i kind of knew like sequences to take so that you'll be safe right so it's always like first thing is no
9: try a small amount
10: so i what i did was i had a brd mobile app on my phone and um, I sent a small amount to it. And because I kind of knew, like, oh, well, you don't want your mobile app because it's constantly connected to the internet, right? Your phone, which is why it's not safe, sort of thing, right? Um, even though if you have an iPhone, it's super, super, duper safe. Um, no, let's do that part. And so what I did was say, okay, fine. I'll still get, I had a separate phone that I'm just going to say, I would install the app there, and then if I'm not using it, I'm just going to turn off the phone. So it's kind of like a, a semi-hot, uh, cold, hot, uh, cold storage because the phone is off, which is cold. And it's convenient that way as well, right? Because if you want to send it out, you just turn it back on, and then you do the sending there. But even with that being said, the concern is really, it's still like uh, you know, something that's connected to the Internet when you do connect it. So you have that even one percent concern. But anyway, that was my setup. I did a small transfer from an exchange to it, just to test it out. It was my very first time, like ever. I was like, oh, this gonna really work. And then of course it works, and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like, hey, this actually works. And then the next thing um, after that was would be the logical logical step is to delete your wallet, right? You wrote down your your your, your you know, see phrase. So delete that wallet,
1: right? And then. Oh, tell you just went into the matrix, Tal. So you know, but um, you brought up something good, and so here's here's some basic principles about wallets. This is something that we haven't mentioned. So, you basically you have like. Three types of wallets and I'm gonna explain this very simply you have your custodial wallet a custodial wallet is where you do not hold your Bitcoin somebody else is holding your Bitcoin these are the least secure types of wallets because somebody else is holding your Bitcoin it's not yours it's not your keys not your Bitcoin you've essentially Given your wealth to somebody else and they're hanging on to it. This is a custodial wallet. Then like the next step up is a hot wallet. A hot wallet is a wallet that is on your phone or on your computer. So when you move your Bitcoin from an exchange to a hot wallet, you have dramatically increased your security because you've gone from somebody else holding your bitcoin to now you are holding your bitcoin yourself the the increase in security is exponential and enormous the reason they call it a hot wallet is because it's a wallet that is connected to the internet okay then the next type of wallet is a cold wallet a cold wallet typically is a little piece of hardware. Not always, but you know, for the sake of the conversation, it's a little piece of hardware like a ledger, like a Trezor, or like a cold card. And when you put your Bitcoin there, your Bitcoin is no longer on a wallet that's connected to the internet. So the degree of security is even greater than a hot wallet buy a lot once your bitcoin is on a cold wallet it's pretty much impossible to steal the only way somebody can get your bitcoin off of a cold out of cold storage is if they have your seed phrase so a custodial wallet which is pretty much 110 percent insecure having your bitcoin on a custodial wallet is pretty much asking to lose all of your wealth. Hot wallet is an internet connected wallet. It is way more secure than a custodial wallet because you're taking possession of your own keys. And then cold storage, a cold wallet, is a non-internet connected wallet. What's up, George? Yeah, other than the,
4: the risk, the potential risk of, one losing their Bitcoin by keeping that them on a custodial wallet, some someone else, some third party holding on to your Bitcoin. What would you say are the negative effects of people allowing others to allowing companies and corporations and exchanges to hold on to their Bitcoin? Like how would that negatively
1: impact uh, the whole philosophy of Bitcoin? You will 100% lose your Bitcoin. It's just a matter of time. Every Bitcoin held on exchanges is going to be lost. It will never be safe. So it's just a matter of, did you give your Bitcoin to a scammer who's going to steal it? Or did you give your Bitcoin to, let's say, a reputable exchange that may accidentally get hacked one day? Or may become under some kind of regulatory pressure Um, when so, so Bitcoin is a game okay at the end of the day it's just like one big game of hungry hungry hippos and everybody's trying to eat as much Bitcoin as they possibly can and the only Bitcoin that you have is the Bitcoin that you have what's up Derek that was a terrible analogy. But, but
3: hold on. I don't understand. I thought I thought Bitcoin was unconfiscatable, but now you're saying it can be stolen.
1: Yeah, if somebody else is holding it, they just go take it from that person, especially a business. Because businesses have physical locations. They have CEOs. They have people that can be taken to court. And if, you know, either, either the company gets um gets attacked by a criminal or the company gets attacked by a legal institution of some kind, a government, a court or whatever, and they are, you know, they are compelled to do what they're told to do. What's up, Derek?
8: Um so I wanted to say that I think that it is fairly standard practice for most Bitcoiners to have both types of hot wallets and cold wallets right okay. you'll have yeah you'll have your cold wallet that is kind of like your your uh, savings account right and then you'll have a small portion of your bitcoin which is kind of like your checking account that'll be on your hot wallet that's the wallet that you would use for spending because bitcoin is money right so maybe maybe you're for your own personal risk factor Maybe you want to have ninety percent in cold storage, and ten percent on a hot wallet. You know, it depends on how much Bitcoin you have. Whatever you feel like you are comfortable with losing, basically, is fine in my t- eyes to keep on your hot wallet because that's what you're going to use to buy goods and services with. When you get down to, you know, a Bitcoin conference, you go out, or you go to El Salvador, or you, if your town has a lot of Bitcoin. Uh, shops, restaurants, whatever. That's what you're going to use. Then the rest of it, you keep in cold storage because you don't want to have to be signing transactions all of the time whenever you want to spend your Bitcoin. So you have your checking account and your savings account, your hot wallet, your
6: cold wallet. Absolutely. Peter, uh, go ahead, Waldo. Go ahead. Uh, Yeah, just a quick question. You guys might have covered this. I had to take a break. But do you guys think... Uh, I brought this up before. I know there's that woman from uh, Unchained who's starting what she's calling her first Bitcoin bank. Now we know the problem with banks is fractional reserve banking, so that would be a problem. And we know what you just said, Anthony, that like some federal order uh, could could take the Bitcoin. But my question is, do you guys think, into the future that banks are going to offer services like Casa Casa, and Unchained Capital where it's like a multi-sig setup where they actually have to prove that they have your Bitcoin but you have ultimate control or do you think that it's it's only going to be kind of off the legacy rails that this stuff is done in the future?
1: So, yes. There's going to be all kinds of interesting um, financial services in the future. The We're not there. And the world has to come to terms with the with hard money with Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is not built for lending and loan services. The the way that Bitcoin functions, I'm you know, I want to say the word monetary policy, but I don't want to say any confusing shit. The fact that Bitcoin has a limited supply. That cannot be debased or inflated philosophically means it's incompatible with the modern day banking system, and that's why these companies like FTX and and Luna and all these all these bullshit scammers that's why they've collapsed because they're trying to use Bitcoin. like how you use fiat and Bitcoin is not fiat. So any, any lending institution that's going to give you interest on Bitcoin, or you can take a Bitcoin loan, you are using Bitcoin in a way that it is not designed to be used. And if you build a car that isn't built, on the basic fundamentals of physics that car is gonna crash right so things have to be used in the way they're built to be used and if you use them correctly then they function correctly if you use them incorrectly then they will not function correctly and if you want to get real technical the only way that you can have like Bitcoin loans is at negative interest rates. Because the only reason loans work now is because our dollars are being debased. So if the interest rate is above the scheduled inflation, it doesn't matter because they can always print more money. There's never going to be a system failure because there's no limit on the amount of dollars that can exist. So you can give out Any loan that you want, you could give out 20% interest loans. It doesn't fucking matter because there's no cap on the money supply. Which means the money becomes less valuable over time. Bitcoin is the exact opposite. In a hyper-Bitcoinized world where the entire world is using Bitcoin, Bitcoin becomes more valuable over time. So, imagine taking a loan in Bitcoin, and now you've got to pay that Bitcoin back. But every year, Bitcoin requires more time and energy to earn. What you've just done is you've just taken a loan in money that grows valuable over time, and you put yourself in a position where you can't possibly pay that loan back because if the productivity of humanity is increasing every year it means bitcoin is more valuable every year so the only way you can take a loan in bitcoin that even has the ability to be paid off is if the interest rate is negative because that's the only way it's going to keep up with the growth of value in bitcoin and I just don't see a world where people are giving out loans in negative interest rate. If I give you a loan, I want to receive more. I don't. I don't want to be like here. I'm gonna lend you a hundred Bitcoin, but you only have to pay me back ninety nine. So yeah, I,
6: I I get yeah. that part, Anthony. I guess what so like what you're saying then, like that company led in, which I don't really know that much about. But what you're saying is. That company's business model only works as long as fiat still exists, because otherwise it doesn't work where you you put your Bitcoin as collateral and you and you borrow dollars. Right. I'm not saying I want to do this. I'll never do any of these things. But I'm just curious, like these types of inner kind of in between companies that are going to pop up before hyper Bitcoinization like that, particularly that one Ledden. in that their business model can't work in the future is what you're saying. Right.
1: So I'm not going to speak on them specifically because I don't want to shit talk a company that I don't know anything about. I don't know anything about them. So I'm just speaking in general. If you're lending Bitcoin, then you're flying an airplane that doesn't have wings. Bitcoin is not designed for lending. Bitcoin is designed to store your time and labor in a way that's not debasable. So... Maybe in the future, once all fiat is gone, people will figure out a lending structure that's compatible with Bitcoin. But right now, what they're trying to do is they're trying to replicate the fiat lending structure with Bitcoin. That's 100% not going to work. Peter, you had your hand up first. What's up, Peter?
3: So I think think about it in terms of strike, strike. Utilizes Strike is built on top. It's a layer two. It's built on top of of the Bitcoin protocol. It uses that as its rails, but it does not. Um, uh, it doesn't actually. It doesn't actually. Um, what's the word I want? It's it's a centralized company that that is utilizing the rails of Bitcoin to make the transfer of value easier, but it's not actually doing it on the base layer. And I think that when it comes to the kinds of products and, and vehicles that you're talking about in the future, those are things that are going to be made and they're going to be built on top of the protocol. They're not going to be, they're not going to use the protocol itself. That That's what I think.
1: I, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think everything you just said is in line with what I was talking about. What's up, Tal?
10: Yeah, just to answer the question directly, I, in my opinion, I do think there's gonna be that possibility. I do think it's gonna happen where the regular banks will offer a service to say, "Hey, um, we will hold a Bitcoin for you it's under your account, and then like take a fee from your fiat like every month, like a dollar, whatever maybe the fee may be." Um, I do see that absolutely happening, and then on demand if the customer says you know now I want to move it they they can move it it's almost as if you know how people rent out a safe box from the bank and you know, basically they're holding your whatever precious item in the safe box right it's not in your possession but you you can go in there and retrieve it so once you have that trust it's going to be similar to, say, trusting them to hold the Bitcoin, even though, like, you should not. But I do see that those services start popping up. I mean, really, a while back, NYDIG and I did, you know, all these other companies are saying, okay, we're going to allow the sort of banks to do these sort of things or, or help institutions set up. So um, I think that's going to be just part of the adoption. And, and then people are just going to use it any way they want, right? We just can't assume that everybody out there has the same um, competence or, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, interest, capability, whatever you want to call it, right, to be um, so entrenched in learning about Bitcoin and all this stuff, that will come. That, that in time will come as more and more adoption happen, more education. But I can also see that there's people who just say, hey, I just want this there, and banks will offer a service, and it will just take a fee every month. And I, I don't, I don't see a problem with that. I just see that as a risk. But be, because people are so trustworthy of their bank, right? Let's say it's Bank of America, Citibank, whatever, Chase, whatever bank. Kind of, I mean, all of us have that right now, right? So I do think it's going to be part of the future. I, I, th- I
1: think it's going to be part of the future, but I don't think we're there. And I don't think these institutions understand Bitcoin. And I think they're trying to fit Bitcoin into a fiat hole, just like a square peg into a round hole. And that's not how this works. And the reason they're doing that is because they can do it with everything else. They can fit gold into a fiat system. They can fit real estate into a fiat system. So they're used to having the ability to force every financial instrument into their regime and figure it out. And you can't do that with Bitcoin. Bitcoin does not bend to your regime. You you bend to the way that that Bitcoin works. But I agree with you, Tao, in the future there will be Bitcoin services, but we are not in the future. Right now we're in the adoption phase and the reality is Self custody is it, and like custodial services. Well, self custody is not going to change. Self custody, it'll probably just get easier in the future. Like the open source software, the wallets, they'll just get easier and more user friendly, which will encourage you know encourage further self custody. Not that it's hard right now, but you know, software developers will figure out how to create the software that people want to use and that will push self custody further, but custodial services will change, you know, but right now, I mean, even like what is argued, what I think the largest custodian right now is GBTC. And they just made an announcement that they're not going to publish the on chain addresses the Bitcoin that they hold for customers. And Bitcoin is literally fucking built for this. It's literally built so you can see where your Bitcoin is and see that it's secure and it's safe. And it's because the fiat institutions, they're trying to do fiat things with Bitcoin and that shit does not work. What's up, George?
4: Yeah. So I asked earlier, like other than, um, you know, the potential of a company taking your Bitcoin, what are the, Uh, maybe downsides, or might I even say the evils of keeping your Bitcoin on the exchange. And I think um, sort of answer my own question. It was really interesting. Uh, I don't even know if Coinbase still does this, but for a really long time, Coinbase would offer $10. Like if if one of your friends signed up for, uh, you know, for Coinbase, we'll pay them $10 and we'll pay you $10. If they you know, start an account and put a hundred dollars in it. You got to think like that's a 20, they're taking immediately like a 20% loss on what you deposited in the exchange. And like the idea that they'll get that back somehow through fees, if you just buy Bitcoin for a hundred bucks on Coinbase and pay a $2 fee, the the assumption is there's, if you think about it, there's no way that they're possibly going to make that back, at least in in the short run. So there's something else going on, on why they would want why a company would want you to keep to deposit into that company and keep your, uh, your dollars, your Bitcoin, your, your whatever crap currency that you're buying on Coinbase. Like there's another thing going on. And I think the the um, the um, FTX thing uh, really just exposed what everyone else already knew was happening anyway, but had no solid evidence that they don't necessarily, you know, they want your Bitcoin on the exchange. These companies want to custody your coins for you, and it's not to do you a favor. Um, they make yeah, money absolutely. when you they make money when you keep your coin on that exchange because because these exchanges are trading firms, um, so they're using your your capital to go out and make more money with that. So I think
1: that that I I break this down much more simply, George, because what you're saying is hundred percent, right? But here's the simple explanation. Bitcoin is the most valuable thing that humanity has ever created. If you are not holding your Bitcoin, it means somebody else is holding it. And of course they're going to want it. Of course, we're talking about the most valuable thing ever created by humanity. So yeah, they'll take a twenty dollar loss to hold your Bitcoin in their possession. Yeah, it's and I think I that. just
4: wanted to point out, like, like I was a tra- I fell for the the trap of yield. But even if you just like the Robin Hood situation, let's just use. Why was Robinhood so eager to get into, you know, to so now all of a sudden they have an asset in their hands that they can actually liquidate that asset, promise you Bitcoin, liquidate that asset, and use that asset however they want. Um, if you know, and they can't do that with an Apple stock. Like legally, they can't do if you, if you buy an Apple stock on on you know Robinhood, they have to hold on to that. Uh, but not with not with crypto. It's unregulated; like they can literally do whatever they want with it. So there's some ethical issues with the idea of even keeping your your Bitcoin on an exchange. I
1: think. So there's a I, there's oh geez, there's an article a long time ago. I know Guy Swan did a read of it. So just you can do a search. Go go to Guy Swan's show and do a search for the episode called. Everyone's a scammer. And basically, the principle is that Bitcoin is so finite and so scarce that every single person on the planet, whether they know it or not, is trying to get a piece of that pie. And the urgency to have one fraction of all the world's time and labor is so great that nobody can be trusted. And it's the whole concept of not your keys, not your coins. Ragnar, what's going on, man? You came up to the stage. You had something you wanted to say about this?
9: Yeah, um, thank you for letting me up. Um, I just wanted to contribute my own thoughts to the discussion. And um, I I actually believe that um, in the long enough timeline, every... You know, like the the discussion is whether um, the current systems built on top of the fiat system will exist or whether people are going to find, you know, a smart way to build, you know, loan products and yield on Bitcoin. And um, to the extent I understand it, it's it's, it's 100% impossible. And when I say 100%, in the long enough timeline, it is actually impossible to get yield on Bitcoin. And the reason is, of course, you can get yield in in things like, okay, let me say someone wants to build a business and he wants, um, you know, people usually talk um, against Bitcoin saying that the system doesn't work because how do we develop the world if people cannot raise loans, capital and stuff like that. However, it's different. In in the Bitcoin world, when we get where we hope we'll, we'll get to, people can build businesses and if they, you know, get something... And anybody who supports that business or who contributed capital to that business, once the business is very successful and produce value to many human, to, to many humans, they will, their Bitcoin balance will definitely go, go up. And people who you know, give to those um, uh, or supported those businesses with capital will get a yield, sort of, on their Bitcoin. Beyond that, there is no way anyone can get yield on Bitcoin. It's actually impossible. because um, So if they, they get yield on their Bitcoin, their Bitcoin balance increases because they have taken a risk. And that risk, we know what it is. It's risk. That is why it's an investment. Meaning many people will do that and they will lose their Bitcoin because they may think they will get a product that will serve a lot of people or people will be interested in. Eventually, the market will decide and they may lose all that Bitcoin. Anything built on top, like a loan, meaning against another currency. like So all these things can only exist because fiat currently exists. Nobody can get you because it's too perfectly, absolutely scarce. And just like the last person said, everybody's a scammer. I love the article by my, is it Goldstein? You know, anybody, anything you do on earth it's just you you, are, you want to exchange it for Bitcoin because you, it's easier for you to do that thing. So anything you, you do on Earth, goods or services, it's easier than producing Bitcoin. So everybody wants to give that service and collect Bitcoin in return. And when you look at it from current where we stand currently into the future, what we're going to notice is that everything we collapse into Bitcoin as the final money. Because everyone will want to have a part of that pie. That is the way I see it. I don't know whether I passed what I think accurately. You know, sometimes I I just want. Yeah, well, I, essentially,
1: you're just working off of what Peter said. So, the, the like lending Bitcoin and getting yield from it, you know, that's what we established. That's not really a thing. But if I, use my bitcoin and i invested in a company and that company produces something and then they pay me back in bitcoin that's a layer two and and I i pretty much just rebuilt the entire financial system of stocks that's how stocks are supposed to work stocks are not supposed to be money they're not supposed to be stores of value a stock is supposed to be an agreement i'm gonna give you some of my wealth and you, you're going to take that wealth and you're going to build a company and that company is going to make money and become valuable. And then at some point in time, I can sell my interest in that company. But the world just doesn't work that way anymore because of fiat. Yeah,
9: I, I guess what I was trying to pass across was, what you said is perfectly 100% correct. I guess what I was trying to pass across is, in the current fiat system, people play that game. And um, because we know that companies usually do not meet up to what people hope in them, the stocks fall, people lose their money, there is a system currently to come to make some people whole, especially the big players. You know, the the Fed will come and make people whole. In Bitcoin, that is not possible. And what I was trying to pass across is, in the long enough timeline, as people begin to realize this, they would rather hold hold on to Bitcoin. Because there is nobody to make you hold. I guess, of course, no, I'm not saying anything new. This thing is what we all know. You know, It's just, I, I just wanted to put it out there. In Bitcoin, if you, you have to do a lot of research to know what company to allocate Bitcoin to, if not, the best option is to hold onto it. Because almost every company will perform lower than it on the long enough timeline. That is just um, the clarification I wanted to make.
1: I appreciate that, man. So guys, we have been here. We've been in this space for two hours. It's been an amazing conversation, but I have to do last word. So we're gonna go ahead we're gonna go ahead and start with George because some of you have never done last word before. So George, do you have any last words on uh stack chain? George, yep. are you there? Okay. Yeah, I'm right here. Uh
4: yeah, it's been an incredible conversation. Um you know, I hope that anyone listening that that may have not taken their Bitcoin off the exchange, um, you know, as, as Peter was saying, like make this as easy as possible. Download B- Blue Wallet. Um, when the wallet comes up, hit I want to start a Bitcoin wallet. Hit the Bitcoin wallet. It will pop up 12 words. Write those 12 words down on a piece of paper, and begin practicing. Send, you know, send a very small amount watch you know watch for it to come through have a little fun with it Um, explore a little bit make sure you write those those 12 words down keep it safe make make a plan for the long run on how you're going to keep that safe and go from
1: there so those are my words absolutely and if you have any questions about self-custody ask don't be afraid to ask anybody on stage We'll answer your questions. If we don't have the answer to your question, we'll direct you towards somebody who does. So don't let having a question stop you from taking custody of your time and labor, of your life, of your Bitcoin. Uh, Palm B, do you have any? Uh, do you have any last words, Palm? Are you still there, John? Do you got any last words on Stack Chain?
5: Yeah, if anyone wants to, uh, if anyone has not taken custody of their Bitcoin and wants to, you know, play around with it and experiment, you know, you can send me one Bitcoin. I will send you two back so you can try uh, the Lightning Network and in how that works. I'm um, willing to do that. No, but for real, if you don't have your own keys, then you're dumb and dumber and you're holding a bag of IOUs. Don't be a
6: Lloyd. Take them off exchange.
1: Take your Bitcoin off exchanges. Waldo, any last words on Stackchain?
6: Yeah, I just want to say thank you. I le- I learned a ton from you guys. You guys have been around uh, longer than I have, and I really appreciate it. And a hundred percent, anyone out there, uh, you know, everyone here is super nice, super willing to help. And I uh, just want to say thank you. See you guys on chain.
1: See you on chain, Waldo. And you know what, man, you have come into Stack Chain, and you're you're like contributing a lot. So don't think we don't notice that Waldo's putting in the work to make Stack Chain. Like an amazing place. And if it's not for people like you, Waldo, who show up and participate, Stack Chain is nothing. So we appreciate you, Waldo. Peter, you got any last words on Stack Chain?
3: You've taken the first step and purchased Bitcoin. Awesome. All you got to do is get it off the exchange. That's the next step. And as George elicited, super easy. If you can remember, if you can write down some words, if you can download an app, follow a couple instructions, maybe ask a few questions, guess what? It's almost as easy as, and maybe even easier than it was to sign up for the exchange and buy it in the first place.
1: 100%. Yeah, Bitcoin is real easy. I'm going to give you three simple steps for Bitcoin. Step one. Have more than zero Bitcoin. Buy some Bitcoin. Step two: take that Bitcoin into self custody. Step three: buy some more Bitcoin. <laughs> What's up, Tal? You got any last words on Stack Chain?
11: Yeah, I came into this a little bit late. Um, was busy with some stuff, but um, yeah, everybody, you absolutely and you better get it off because you just never know that even even though they may not take it, whatever. But the feeling of when a system's down, for whatever reasons, right? It, uh, oh, overload whatever, It just it, it's gonna make you sweat because you know you you can't even log in, right? To even move it, let alone okay, waiting for it to be confirmed and everything. So people really need to just move everything off. Like for me, I don't have anything on anything. Everything is cold storage, and I think for the newer newer people, they don't understand the concept like when i was new new to this thing like four or five years ago yeah i'm like well what do you mean like the exchange is holding it sort of thing right i just want to say to that it's just because they have the keys to access it and once you transfer your coin from that to your wallet now only you have the key to access that coin and it's really just simple as that um i hope everybody uh, takes it serious and and move their stuff to cold storage thanks thank you Tao.
1: and before i sign off i'm gonna say it again if you need any help taking custody of your bitcoin ask somebody ask one of the people on stage or ask somebody else that you trust you know don't don't let questions be the thing that prevents you from taking care of yourself self-custody is self-love man <laughs> like when you have your bitcoin on an exchange you are handing your life over to another person and you are trusting them to love you nobody is going to love you the way that you love yourself not your keys not your bitcoin i'm going to leave you with the stack Chainer blessing i hope tomorrow you have more bitcoin than you have today stack chainers i love you guys have fun stacking sounds
0: Sands, feeling proud I got no cash Can't afford the tip, got me feeling kinda sad But we glad, I sleep up your whole bed. Selling my chairs to get a couple sets And I'm stuck in next week cause I hit my limit Never was one with just to get some digits Give for you, save back, I ain't talking fast You know what I mean, it ain't bad decisions Yo Q I like what you're doing There's a fork up on the tip And it's leaving me clueless Stacking sets up on the chain Taking up my whole day Hella blocks up in the notice That we had to validate So stack a block Join a block A shit post now Can't afford a block Join a block We loading my account Yeah I'm broke It's a sad thing But a stack On the stack chain GFYs And all the memes Love vibes And all the pains Stack sides Feeling brown like I got no cash Can't afford the tip Got me feeling kind of sad But we
1: glad Yo no that shit was lit, it got me fired up trying to stack the tip Cosmic, stack chain energy, thing hard 21 by infinity Stack chain, I can't get enough, every single day his number go up Stack joins, invading your thread, stacking so hard that it hurts the fed And I'ma keep on
0: stacking cause what Anthony said And pass it back to Q and let the signal spread Stack sides. feeling proud like I got no cash Can't afford the tip, got me feeling kinda sad but we glad